Well, this is Christmas Sunday, and so I thought it would be appropriate for us to look at the text uh, that we just read to just sort of walk through it um, once again and remind ourselves of uh, some of the things that are here. You know, it's hard to believe that it was 50 years ago that a Charlie Brown Christmas made its debut uh, on CBS. Much to the consternation of the CBS executives, Charles Schultz, the writer of, uh, of course, the Peanuts uh, comic strip, uh, Charles Schultz insisted that the film would clarify the true meaning of Christmas over against the commercialization and secularization of the day. And uh, how many of you have seen uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas? <laughs> All right, so, so you know what I'm talking about. And you know that he, uh, he uh, succeeded in uh, communicating that message when Linus recited Luke's account, the account that we just read, Linus uh, recited that, and then turns to Charlie Brown, who was all perplexed about, you know, why he wasn't happy, and you know, what was the meaning of Christmas really all about? So Linus recites Luke two, and then he just looks at Charlie Brown and he says, "That's what Christmas is about," and. That is what Christmas is about. And of course, 50 years down the road, we still have the commercialization, we still have the secularization. Uh, for many people, even in our own culture today, they don't really make the connection between what we are doing here today, what we are going to be doing this week, and the birth of Jesus. But of course, that's what Christmas is. And so, like I said, I think it would be good to just... Uh, take a closer look at the passage and for ourselves, just be reminded once again of what Christmas is really all about. So we begin with the pronouncement uh, of the angel to the shepherds. And what was it? Behold, or first of all, the, the, the angel said, don't be afraid. And it's to this group of shepherds. We don't know how many there were, but they were in a field there outside of the city of Bethlehem. And the angel comes, he says, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That's the first thing that we need to just stop and think about. Christmas, the message of Christmas is the greatest message ever. I mean, certainly to date, when, when the angel made this uh, pronouncement on this day. This was the greatest uh, message that the world has, has ever heard. And, and I, I would say it still is, except there's a little more to it than was realized uh, initially there on that particular day, because we know that the baby that was born would grow up and ultimately would offer himself as a sacrifice for sin. And in doing so, he would provide forgiveness uh, of our sins and he would destroy death and rise from the dead. But it all was put in motion on this particular occasion. 
And so the angel says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Do we realize that? That that's what the gospel is? Of course, the word gospel means good news. Uh, but these are good tidings of great joy. This, this is great news. And regardless of the bad news that we're almost constantly subjected to, none of that eclipses this good news. None of that should overshadow this good news because this good news that we're talking about here is the good news that is going to dominate the scene in the future. So since it's going to dominate the whole universe in the future, it, it should dominate our hearts today regardless of what might be going on around us. You know, it's easy for us, even as Christians who believe in these things, isn't it easy for us to just get discouraged ourselves, to get down, to become depressed? I mean, we look at the world, we look sometimes at our own personal circumstances, and many times we, the people of all people who should know what it is to be joyful, many times we're not joyful. But we can be, and we should be, because we are the recipients of these good tidings of great joy. And so that's what this message is. It's a message of great joy. The hearts of men and women all around the world, God's intention through this message is that our hearts would be filled with joy. So what is the, what are the good tidings of great joy? Well, they are that there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That, that's, the, that's the great news right there. There has been born to us a Savior. Now, when you think of the, the just the, the idea of a Savior, of course, you think of somebody who's in trouble. You think of somebody who needs to be rescued. You think of uh, a savior as a deliverer. And so that is indeed the case. Jesus has been sent by God into the world to save us. To save us from, well, you think of the, uh, one of the Christmas hymns, uh, to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And, and truly, that is the case. Jesus came as a savior to save us from the, the power of Satan, the destructive power of Satan. Human history manifests over and over again the destructive power of Satan. Jesus came to deliver us from that. He came to save us from that. But he also came to save us from the sin that is that destructive force that works within our own souls, that, that manifests itself in our own lives. And it's such a wonderful thing to have a savior. It's such a wonderful thing to have been delivered from these things. You know, I think back at, at my own life or the lives of, of the, so many people I know and uh, remembering my own experiences in some cases or looking at somebody or talking to somebody and remembering their past and thinking about the destructiveness that might have at one time been 
very much a part of their lives. Maybe it was through uh, addictions or maybe it was through uh, just uh, hatred or uh, maybe it was through involvement in uh, crime, things like that. And you see people who have been saved from that. They've been delivered from that. That's no longer the story of their lives. And where maybe in time past, uh, previous Christmases were just the worst time of the year because that's when everybody got together and all the sinners uh, collectively uh, engaged in their selfishness and everything else. And it just, just was a miserable time. I think back as a kid and remember times where uh, growing up in a family where there was alcoholism and things like that, you know, some of our family gatherings were less than enjoyable. But then to experience the salvation that comes through the Savior and to have all of that changed and to have all the joy and all the love now and the, the family gatherings are so wonderful and and. They're a joyous occasion, and they're times to be uh, looked forward to, and they're times to be looked back on with great fondness. You see, that's what happens when you get saved. And Jesus came. He was sent by God into the world as our Savior. He came to deliver us from those things that were destroying us. He's the Savior who is Christ. Now, Christ is the title. That's that's his title. The Savior is his task, title, or or, uh, Christ is his title, or or it's his office, if you will. And the, the office of the Christ is that of, this is God's, anointed person to bring about righteousness and peace in the world. See, all the way back to the very beginning of time when sin first entered into the world and all of this destructiveness began to take place, God made a promise that he would send a deliverer. And the word that was used in the Hebrew was the word Mashiach, which we, we bring into English as Messiah. And the word means an anointed one. And so all throughout the biblical history, the Old Testament, there was this uh, expectation of this anointed one that would come, this Messiah. And there were various places in the history of the people of Israel where God would speak through the prophets and he would give uh, the, the promises of the Messiah's coming. The, one, of, one of the ones that's most familiar to many of us is the one that's found in the the ninth chapter and the sixth verse of the prophecy of Isaiah. You remember that one there. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. You see, that's the messianic part of it. The government shall be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the Messiah, the Christ... He's going to come and he's going to rule the nations in righteousness. Oh, we long for that. Generation uh, after generation has longed for some righteous reign. You know, it it seems like as misguided as uh, 
most politicians have been historically. Uh, they all seem to be aiming at the, at the same thing, but everybody just has a, a different philosophy about how you're going to get there. But, it, but it's an ideal world, a perfect world, uh, a world of peace and a world where there's equity and, and there's righteousness. And, and of course, the problem is man's uh, understanding of those things is, is completely faulted, so it never works out. But this is the task of the Messiah. This is what he's going to do. The government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the angel is telling these shepherds that this is what's happened today. There has been born to you this day in the city of David, the Savior who is the Christ, the Messiah has come. And then he said, the Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Lord. The Greek word here for Lord is the word that in the Old Testament was used to translate the name of God. In the Old Testament, the name of God is, is probably uh, most accurately Yahweh. So it, in many places in the Old Testament, of course, the name Yahweh appears. Now, when the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, was translated into Greek, when they came to the name Yahweh, they would translate Yahweh with the Greek word kurios, which is the word here. For there is born to you this day a Savior who is Christ, the Lord, or the kurios. So for those shepherds and everybody at that time, when they heard that the Savior was Christ, the Lord, what they would understand is that the Savior, the Messiah, is Yahweh. He is God, the God of Israel, the God of all nations, the God of the universe. And so that was indeed the case. Jesus, his name means Yahweh is Savior. That's the meaning of the name Jesus. That's why uh, the angels, we're, we're told uh, the angels spoke very specifically to Joseph that the child's name was to be Jesus or Yeshua, the, the Hebrew pronunciation, because he is going to save his people from their sin. And so this is the, the message. These are the good tidings of great joy. We have a Savior. He's the Messiah. He's actually the Lord. But notice what the angel said. He said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. See, the message of Christmas is a universal message. It's for all people. It's not just for a, a select group of people somewhere. It's not just for a particular ethnic group, or it's not just for people located in a certain geographical region of the world. You know, we live in a climate today where people think of Christmas and Christianity and all that. Well, you know, they sort of say, well, you know, that's, that's all Western, you know, that's sort of a Western religion. And then you've got your Eastern religions and, uh, they don't seem to realize that Christianity did not originate in the West. But be that as it may, it is a universal message. It's, uh, 
to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For The message is for everyone. It's a universal message. Now, think with me for a moment, though. Let's, let's go back to the scene itself. You have an angel who is bringing this message, and you have, in some ways, a very unexpected audience or uh, an audience that you wouldn't have anticipated. So thinking if, you know, if we could just put ourselves in a place where you think, okay, so this is the greatest news ever. It's going to come as a pronouncement into the world. Um, Okay, we're going to send the angel. He's going to proclaim the good tidings of great joy, tell about the birth of the Messiah who is is the Savior and the Lord. Uh, Okay, where do we send him? Well, think of where he wasn't sent. He wasn't sent to the capital cities of the world. He wasn't sent to the palaces. He wasn't sent to the universities. He wasn't sent to the power centers of the world. No, he was sent to a field outside of a small village the village of Bethlehem. And then think of, if we were doing all of this, think of who we would have sent the messenger to and who the messenger did not come to. The angel didn't visit the rulers of the world. He didn't visit Caesar. He didn't visit any of those governors that ruled under Caesar. He didn't even visit Jerusalem and the leadership in Jerusalem. He didn't visit the rulers. He didn't visit the dignitaries of the world. He didn't visit the scholars. He didn't visit the celebrities. That's not who the angel was sent to. Now, that's not because God doesn't have love and concern for those people. He does. He certainly does. He loves everyone. But God has made it clear all the way through from one end of Scripture to the other that he is the God who is for the underdog. That, that's just who he is. He's the, the God who looks out for those that are generally overlooked. And so we see that in the place the angel went. The angel went to a village, not a metropolis. The angel went to shepherds, not to rulers. And the shepherds were just an example of the common people. The shepherds were the most common of people, and that's who the angel was sent to. And the angel said to them, He said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel said to them, these shepherds, these lowly, common, ordinary, everyday people, he said, the Savior is born to you. You see, that's the message of the gospel. Like I said earlier, it's a universal message to all people. But all people without prejudice, all people without 
preference. The Bible makes this perfectly clear. God is no respecter of persons, meaning God shows personal favoritism to no one. We live in a world where there's tons of favoritism shown to all kinds of people. And oftentimes it's based on your position in society. It's based on uh, your wealth or lack thereof. In many cases, it's based upon things like race, skin color, and those kinds of things. There's all kinds of injustices and, and uh, unfairness and preferential treatment of certain people. And, but not so the case with God. So God finds just this group of regular folks, the shepherds, and he sends the angel, go tell them. That's astounding if you think of it. You think of all the great people throughout history that God could have at any given point got this message to, but he doesn't. And even in the day that it comes, all of the great men are passed over. And it's these shepherds that the message comes to. Because God wants us to know that the message is for everyone without exception and without any prejudice. And sure, the greatest person in the world couldn't come, but no more than can the lowliest person in the world. Now, as the angel made this pronouncement and then directed them as to the location of where they could find the child, the babe, it says, and suddenly, in verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So now there's this angelic pronouncement, not just the, the angel singular, but now there's a multitude of heavenly hosts and they're praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. That's the gospel right there. That's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is glory to God in the highest. God, of course, is the one who came up with the plan. God's the one who initiated the, the whole thing. It's all because of his mercy and grace, so glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward man. The message of Christmas is that God's will for man is good. God's desire for man is good. God's intentions for man are good. You know, some of the newer translations read a little bit differently. It says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward men of goodwill. Some of the newer translations read it that way. And there is a little bit of, there's different manuscripts that kind of word it a little bit differently. But I personally think those newer translations missed, missed it on that because if you switch it around and say that uh, peace on earth is toward men of goodwill, then you just gutted the message of the gospel. Because the gospel is not a message toward men of goodwill. The gospel is a message for sinners. 
The gospel isn't a message like, hey, there's peace on earth for you good people. That's kind of what the other translation makes it say, but that's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is there's peace on earth because God's will toward man is good. Because God is not imputing our trespasses to us. Because God is not uh, going to deal with us according to our sins. He's sending us a savior who's going to take care of that. And so from heaven, there is goodwill toward men. There is grace. There is mercy. There is forgiveness. There is love. That's the message of Christmas. There's no God like the God of the Bible. There's no message like the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no religion on the planet that even remotely comes close to this message. And there certainly is no humanistic philosophy that could even remotely parallel it either. This is the greatest news there is. It is such wonderful news. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. It's such wonderful news. Here's the question I have. I know it's wonderful news. You know it's wonderful news. All of us who have received it know how wonderful this news is, but why isn't everyone thrilled about this? Why is it that there have always been people who upon hearing this message of the birth of the Savior, why is it that there have always been people that have been upset by it and troubled by it? You know, these shepherds, they were elated. This was amazing. This was wonderful. And they did just what the angel said. They went and they told, they went and saw the child. Then they told everybody what the angel had communicated to them. And everyone marveled as they told the message But you know, when that message came to King Herod, he didn't marvel in a positive sense. He wasn't excited like the shepherds were. No, he was troubled. He was bothered. He was upset by this message. And he is one, maybe the first, maybe not, but he is just one of many successive people on throughout history who aren't all that happy about this message. But why is that? Why is that the case? Why is it that just this past week in Kentucky, when they were having their school play and made the decision to do as their school play for Christmas, a Charlie Brown Christmas, why is it that the superintendent forbid them from including Linus's speech quoting the Gospel of Luke? Why is it that the superintendent sent out to all of the schools in the district saying, we, we, we have to monitor all of the religious content that you're uh, planning on using uh, during these holidays? Why is it that people find this message so troubling some people. It's crazy. But I'll tell you why. Because there are two things particularly that are stated here in the proclamation that create a problem for people. Number one is there's a savior. And number two is he's the Lord. 
You see, this is, uh, the, for, for many people, this is the greatest news ever. You know, if, if you're um, broken and contrite and you recognize your sin, man, you are so glad that there is a Savior. If you look and you see the destruction in your life and you think somebody's going to come and fix this, this is the greatest news ever. But if, on the other hand, you think, what do you mean a Savior? I don't need a Savior. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not a sinner. I, I'm a good person. Well, these things that I'm doing, these aren't... I, who says that they're wrong or bad? I don't think they're wrong or bad. So you see, for that person, the idea of a savior is troubling. Because the idea of a savior indicates you got a problem, and a lot of people don't want to admit they got a problem. And then the other issue is the whole issue of Lord. Because although this is a reference to the name of God, Yahweh, the Lord... Yahweh is the Lord in the sense that he is the sovereign ruler. And what that does for people, like it did for Herod, it was threatening to his position. He was not excited to hear that there was one born, the king of the Jews. That was a threat to him. That was his, he saw that as uh, the, the potential end for his reign. And it, the same is true today with people. They see that as, as when you hear about the Savior and you hear about the Lord, what you're really talking about is somebody who's gonna bring your reign to an end. <laughs> somebody who's going to throw you off the throne and take charge. And people don't like to hear that. But, you know, it's inevitable. It will not be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Doesn't matter who tries to stop it and all those that have tried to stop it from the very beginning because you remember what Herod tried to do, right? You remember when he heard about this child that was born from these men that came from the east, these wise men, he said, he said okay, great, that's wonderful. I want to worship him too. So after you find out where he is, come back and tell me so I can go worship him. They didn't come back. An angel warned him in a dream not to go back. But then what did Herod do? He sought to destroy the child Jesus. So he sent out his men and slaughtered every male child under two years of age in the village of Bethlehem and around the area. What was he trying to do? He was trying to hold on to his power. He's trying to hold on to his position. He's trying to destroy anything that's going to infringe upon his power. But guess what? Herod is dead and has been for a long time. And Jesus is marching on. And that's the way it always works. And, you know, that's the way it works today too. <laughs> because Herod was just the first of many who have attempted such a thing. And there are still those attempting it today. And uh, like I said, we just have seen it. We see it around our, our, our nation with all the battles taking place over nativity scenes and the ACLU you know, rushing to the... Uh, the assistance of that one person that might be offended by seeing that dreadful scene there, you know, those animals and that little manger and all of that, so offensive. But hey, Christ is marching on. The babe who was born in a manger has ascended the throne of heaven, and one day 
He's going to come back. And all of these things that were initiated there on that first Christmas day are going to come to fruition because that was the beginning of the reign of Christ that will finally manifest itself universally in the days ahead. And then we will properly sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, what a great Christmas song, isn't it? But you know, if you think about it, it's not really, if you, if you listen to the words, it, it's not really talking about the birth of Jesus, it's really talking about the reign of Jesus. But you couldn't have the reign of Jesus without the birth, so it works perfectly. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. That's the way it's gonna be in the future, but it can be that way personally in the present as we await that day because this good news is universal and has universal application, but it's also very personal. At Christmas time, it's a time of exchanging gifts, right? And that's because God gave the gift of his son. You know, the Bible speaks of salvation very frequently as the gift of God. And that gift is wrapped up in a person. And that person is Jesus who was born on this day. And I know that most of you here today know that. You've experienced that. For unto you is born this day. That, that's become a reality to you. But, you know, maybe you're here today and that hasn't become a reality to you. Maybe you've celebrated Christmas after Christmas after Christmas but never really stopped to think, what is this all about truly? Well, that... That gift from God is, is there, it's available, it's extended, but you know, like any other gift, it's got to be received. And if you don't receive it, it's still there, it's available, but you're not blessed by it. And so our prayer is that if that is the case, that you would receive that gift, God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who was born, the Savior who is Christ the Lord, who came into the world to come into our hearts, who's coming back into the world to set up an everlasting kingdom of righteousness because he is the Messiah, the anointed one. And upon his shoulders, the government will be. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's the big picture for the world, but it happens in a human heart individually upon receiving that gift.